Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Scouting for Growth, the podcast where we explore the frontiers of technology, finance, and insurance, and bring you insights from the industry's leading voices. I am your host, Sabine van der Linden, and today we have a guest whose name is synonymous with digital innovation and transformation. Please join me in welcoming John Rossman, a pioneering force in the digital era and the mastermind behind Amazon's marketplace. An early executive at Amazon, John played a pivotal role in launching the marketplace business model in 2002, a move that significantly propelled Amazon's growth. His time at Amazon has deeply ingrained in him a unique set of leadership principles that he now shares with the world through his best-selling book, The Amazon Way. But John's expertise extends far beyond his time at Amazon. He is a thought-after consultant helping businesses navigate the complexities of the digital age and transform their strategies to thrive. He is also a popular keynote speaker, having shared his insight and experiences with audiences worldwide. His speeches are a blend of humor, real-world anecdotes, and actionable insights, making him a favorite among his listeners. John is also a prolific author. His upcoming book, Big Bet Leadership, explores the concept of making bold decisions in the hyper-digital era. And here is some exciting news for you guys, our listeners and ladies as well. John is offering a free Kindle version of his book, so listen to the podcast and listen to it up to the end. John's mission is to empower others to make their own big bets and achieve lasting impact in their respective fields. His work is a treasure trove of insights for anyone looking to understand and navigate the complexities of the digital era. So get ready for an engaging conversation as we dive deep into the world of big bets digital transformation and leadership the Amazon way. So let's welcome John Rosman to Scouting for Growth. Hi, John. Sabine, great to be here. Nice, nice to get to know you. Same here and thank you so much for accepting to join me on Scouting for Growth. So, John, before to dive into the meat of our conversation, I would love for you to tell us where you come from and what got you where you are today. Sure. So I, I grew up on the West Coast in the U.S. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and um, my journey has just been a journey. I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I'm a problem solver. And that's what I love to do with businesses, with my clients, uh, with leaders, I was an early leader at Amazon. So I was at Amazon from 
early 2002 through late 2005, I led the launch of the Amazon marketplace business. So that's third party selling at amazon.com, moderately successful business. And I left Amazon late 2005, uh, started working with my clients on strategy, problem solving, digital uh, capabilities, digital models. And a client of mine at the Gates Foundation suggested to me one day, this is five years after I'd left Amazon, he goes, you know, you do a really nice job of delicately taking the strategies, the mechanisms from Amazon and inserting them into our work. I think you should write a book. And I'd never thought about that. And so I listened to him uh, and I talked him into me and my partner on these books. And so I've written uh, four books now. Uh, the, the first is in three editions. It's called The Amazon Way, Amazon's Leadership Principles. And it's about the leadership principles of Amazon and what they mean for you. And it's a, it's a nice lightweight read. It's kind of my story at Amazon. I wrote a book called Think Like Amazon, 50 and a Half Ideas to Become a Digital Leader. That's the full playbook of, of all the ch- tips and tricks from Amazon. And I have a new book uh, coming out next year, which we'll talk about, which is not about Amazon. And, um, and so today I do keynote speaking. I do advisory work. And um, I do consulting where I lead projects for clients. It's all centered around how we compete, how we win um, in the digital era. That's super cool. So I know that the way you have built a life around yourself is you're applying the one third, one third, one third model around your advisory, your consulting and your speaking engagement. But I would love for you to share with us what are the key leadership principles that we should remember from the Amazon way? Well, so one framing on that is I would never represent that these are the right leadership principles for anybody else. Um, I think what I do recommend, though, is really thinking through, and I have an appendix in the Amazon way about building your own leadership principles. I do recommend leadership teams on an occasional basis, really thinking through like, what is our culture? What are we trying to do? What are some guidelines, some principles, some tenets that might help us accomplish this? I believe in emphasizing the components of your culture that are going to be different than most companies, uh, the things that are really going to help you differentiate and compete. And you really have to mean them. Like, don't make them a poster on the wall, a feel-good uh, approach for something. They have to be something that that really help you do the job of competing. So with that said, there's, uh, there's 16 leadership principles at Amazon. I think some of the most distinct ones that really make a difference that I'll, I'll talk briefly about. So the first, which is probably the most famous, um, but it is just one, is customer obsession. And it reads, leaders start with the customer and work backwards. They work vigorously to earn and keep customer trust. And while they pay attention to competitors, they obsess about customers. And I think that that, that is an essential leadership principle and, and cultural attribute for Amazon and for a lot of companies. Again, I won't say universally, but to, to tactically and strategically be very curious 
about your customer and the job they're trying to get done. What, what is working well? What doesn't work well? And if you can use, really be curious and develop those signals and that deep understanding, that helps you both deliver a better product and service today and provides the fuel to be curious, to expand, to innovate bigger and broader into your customer base um, and to serve them. Another one that I'll mention is um, called Invent and Simplify. And I always focus on the and simplify part of that, of that principle. Simplifying processes, procedures, requirements, jobs, uh, technology, projects, everything is super hard work and it's super critical if you want to scale. And, and delete, delete, delete is, is the mantra that, that I impose. It's, this is the hardest work I do with clients is to take away all the calcification of things that get built up, right? It's like, it's like tax code. You, you, things just get added. Things never get deleted away, right? And so every once in a while, you really got to take a zero-based design approach and really go, how would we design the outcomes we, that we want from this business in the simplest way possible, freeing yourself from all the stuff that's built up over time, all the constraints that you, you, you deal with. Um, another one that I'll mention here, let me refer to my notes here is, um, have backbone, disagree and commit. And this is, uh, such, uh, an important and, and delicately done leadership principle. And it really is, if we are truly going to solve hard problems, if we're going to innovate, uh, if we're going to be agile, if we're going to test things out, we have to be able to push against, to, to persecute ideas early. And that's what this leadership principle is about, is that, is that we have to be willing to, to test and spar relative to our ideas and our proposals, but then allow a leader to make a decision about what we are going to do. And then we all lean in to working to make it correct. But if we do this correctly, where we're making um, experimental based decisions, then we can proceed. We can vigorously test this idea. And, and if it needs adjustment, then we'll make the adjustment. But in so many companies, they've created uh, an environment where it's very difficult to actually push against concepts and ideas. So a lot of the work I do is like, hey, how do you, how do you set up the environment? How do, you, how do you do the work to actually be able to appropriately both push against the idea and create a, a culture that's collaborative and nurturing for everybody that can be done. It's not easy, but it can be done. So those are a few of the leadership principles that I think can be good input, good, good fodder for any organization as they struggle and work towards competing and winning in the digital era. Yeah, I completely agree with you, John. You know, working with your Fortune 500 big insurance companies, some of the terms and some of the work we are doing right now is Yes, being customer obsessed, customer first. And think about the insurance company, they are the agent driven. So who is a customer, the end customer or the agent? We have multiple stakeholders and we have really clear run hours. We serve the full value chain. And, and simplifying. Especially with, 
it, it, I, I've done a bunch of work with insurance companies and um, there is so much opportunity for simplification in those businesses, both simplification in the value proposition and the, and the customer experience and dramatic simplification in how work actually gets done within the organization. It's it, again, super hard, but those industries, if, if somebody came down from Mars and said, <laughs> I'm going to create, I'm going to create an insurance uh, value proposition um, and I'm going to start from scratch, it would never look like what we offer today, right? It, it would never appear this way. And, and that would be, you know, the kind of the thought experiment that I like to do with senior leaders is like, how would we do this if we had none of the constraints that we think about today? Yeah. Absolutely. Now you'll never you'll never get there, but just by stretching uh, the boundary of your thinking and then working backwards from that ideal state, you'll actually come up with a ton of concepts and ideas that can be tested and that could dramatically improve the business. Yeah, and you mentioned culture, but how was it like, John, to work for Monsieur Jeff Bezos? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Uh, honestly, he he's 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 smart, engaging, he's demanding. And, uh, you know, that's what I expected. Uh, that's what, that's how you grow is by getting critical feedback. And um, I'd be slightly insulted if somebody didn't have high expectations uh, of me and my teams and everything. And so um, everybody has their moments. It was super fun. And uh, it, was, it was a great place to be a leader. That's wonderful to hear. I want to go into digitization. So digitization, digital transformation and failure. And mm -hmm. I have a quote from you, which says over 70% of all digital transformations today and innovation programs fail. And you know what? I work with a lot of organizations and it's hard, as you said, you know, you have to simplify and you have to find the right stakeholders, the change makers to make it work. So why do you think that is? And what do you recommend for making success work? Yeah. Well, it, 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 yeah, the, there's all sorts of stats and data around the failure rate of of these big bets, right? Digital transformations, innovation programs, um, and, and things like that. It's someplace between 70% and 85% fail to deliver the promise on which they were based. One in six failed to deliver any benefits at all. And what's left out of those numbers is the initiatives, the bets that don't get taken, that should get taken. Those are failures too, right? But those are never considered in the failure failure rates. And my belief is we, act, we, we are heading into a period where we need to be taking more big bets as as companies because I believe competition is going to get dramatically stiffer and new entrants will be even more aggressive than they've been for the past 25 years. So why they fail? Well, that's that's un, unfortunately, there's no easy set of reasons on why they fail. It's a broad set of reasons on why they fail. If it, if it was a simple answer as to why they fail, well, we would address it, you know, and everything, right? But it starts with um, what, what I consider 
the essential framing for what we are transforming. To transform means to, to create a substantial change. And the challenge is we don't have an anchor as to what is the actual problem we are trying to solve. We don't have an anchor as to what we, our hypothesis is about what the future state is and why it would be valuable. And therefore, we are talking past each other because we think we're talking about the same problem. We think we're talking about the same future state, but we're actually talking past each other. We have different interpretations of that. And that doesn't allow us to actually be agile, to sprint towards a test to test whether our hypothesis about the future state is valid or not valid. And that begins the 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 set of secondary reasons for why these digital transformations fail. Um, but clear thinking and super tight communication and allowing the team, the the environment to stay completely focused relative to that mission and not not adding a bunch of obligations onto it. Those are some of the things that need to be considered in order to make transformations work. John, can you share with us a spectacular failure, something which you are happy to share with us, just for our listener to understand what that may look like and how you dealt with it? Yeah, a, 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 a great example is from General Electric and, um, you know, storied uh, global company. In 2015, they made big commitments relative to a, a software solution, an intelligent software solution called Predix. And uh, there's a really good book out about it. It's called Lights Out. It's, a, it's the story of the Jeff Immelt years at GE and the story of, of the challenges that happened. And they tell the story about how they, they, they suffered from the very issues that I was talking about, which was they weren't clear about what problems they were trying to solve for customers. They weren't clear about what success would look like. What were the capabilities of this of this proposed product Predix would be, they committed super big to it. They hired people and more importantly, internally and externally to the street, they committed results out of this very fuzzy uh, data, intelligence data platform. And, and so they could never get it right. And it, so instead of earning their way to a, a not just a, a product market fit, but to an operational model that could actually deliver and then committing to it internally and externally, they did the exact opposite, which was they committed big upfront, um, but then didn't put the, the mechanisms in place to actually earn that way. One of Amazon's leadership principles is called think big. And I, and I think, um, so it's, it's all about leaders uh, being able to create a compelling vision of the future and, and whatnot. But the key to thinking big is actually betting small. And so while you want to think bold, you actually want to take incremental steps towards testing the hypotheses out about the future. And the part of the reason why digital transformations fail, like the, the General Electric Predix ones, is that, is that 
they they were thinking big, but then they bet big also. And then when you start betting big before, then you can't let the essence of these experiments actually do their job, which is to to test and to iterate and make and make iterations. And so again, it's not a simple recipe for what you have to do uh, relative to it. Uh, when we talk about my new book, that that's the essence of the new book is about the failure points, the many failure points of digital transformations and the strategies and steps you need to take to avoid them. So I have a quote, I guess, from the Amazon way saying, sometimes the idea is just not quite the right idea. And so you learn adjust and move forward. That is one of your quotes, actually, John. So let's go into the book now. Future Orientation yep. Strategy, Big Bets and Emerging Leadership, I guess. Your upcoming book focuses on big bets, leadership in the hyper-digital era. What is a big bet for you? And why is it more important than anything today that to actually address those big bets? Yeah, yeah uh, great. Big question here. So yes, the name of the book is Big Bet Leadership, Your Transformation Playbook for Winning in the Hyperdigital Era. So a, a big bet is, you know, these things come with lots of different names, a digital transformation, an innovation program, um, mergers and acquisitions are oftentimes big bets. Uh, um, new business incubation is oftentimes a big bet. A big bet has these attributes. We think it is a great idea that has the potential for delivering significant business value, but we know that there's material risk, con conceptual risk relative to delivering against that promise. That's what a big bet is. We think it's a great idea, but we know that, that there's risk. So that's what a big bet is. So why are big bets important? Bold moves are vital for, for companies there, there's demonstrated research that shows that, that companies who are able to successfully take bold bets take the vast majority of profit pools within any industry. The past 25 years, let's call that the first era of digital transformation, right? It, it really started with Netscape in 1995. And what we've seen is all of these industries you know, transformed through digital capabilities, software, new models, better customer experiences. My proposal, my hypothesis is, is that the next 25 years, what I'm framing as the hyper-digital era, is going to make the past 25 years look pretty cozy and look pretty comfortable. That there's a new set of both technologies, AI being, being kind of the exemplar off of that and built off, but that's not the only disruptive technology, plus the business models and investors who are going to absolutely lean into this and change the operating models for how companies look today. They're going to be looking for a productivity level that is 10 to 100x what their typical peer operating models are able to do. Therefore, companies need to become good, really good at this type of transformation. But as we talked about, they're bad at it, right? And so th this, this is commonly re referred to as a pickle, right? A pickle is, is like, oh, that's a challenging situation. It's a conundrum. 
we are we know that we are really bad at these transformations but yet it's important that we take more of them and so big bet leadership the book is all about those failure points and the strategies and tactics that you can take to not just avoid the failure points but to actually win at your transformations so i'm going to go deeper and ask you yeah. why do leadership needs to actually think about understanding those failure points why do they need to go and pick up the book when it comes out uh, to improve their leadership style in adapt an adaptive world to actually potentially deliver transformation program innovation program serve their customer better maybe be more obsessed about them as well yeah um let me attack that question from this uh angle from this this vector um most senior leaders and this book is written for senior leadership at companies um most senior leaders are very good very good at their operational roles right like that's what's progressed them through their career that is the main order of business within a business what we're not very good at is that innovation playbook, that, that constant system of innovation. When, when I do keynote speeches uh, at a general audience, I'll typically ask the audience, like, who here believes that uh, change, that innovation, that growth is vital for your company over the next five to 10 years? And everybody will raise their hand. And then I'll go, who here has an actual system for how you do new business incubation? You know, like, like, milestones, commitments, resources, decision-making frameworks, like all the things you need to actually systematize change and innovation. Rarely does anybody raise their hand. Mm -hmm. And so it's that fundamental disconnect that we know we have to change. We know we have to innovate, but yet we don't actually apply a systems approach to it. So that is the essential essence for why it's critical for senior operators, senior leaders to actually have a playbook, not for their operating businesses, but for, the, for their change business. To how, to, how do I become systematic at this transformation? And as we've talked about, like, it's pretty apparent like we're not very good at that. Like in, 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 in mass, we're not very good at it. There's only a few leaders and a few companies that are systematically good at it. I think Amazon is a great example of a, of a company that is systematically good at it. Uh, Elon Musk's companies, Tesla, SpaceX, um, are very good examples of companies who, who demonstrate the ability to enact great change. Um, Microsoft, I think, is a good example of a company that's been able to reinvent itself across era. There are things that you can learn from leaders from companies like that. We've captured those critical habits um, in Big Bet Leadership. I think that there's three critical habits that what, what we refer to as big bet legends do that other leaders don't do in order to win at their big bets on a systematic basis. I love to hear that, John, because I build uh, corporate startup adoption labs. And right. so I build adoption blueprints and playbooks for insurance corporations. And, you know, even though we may have 5,000 insurance corporations out there, you know, how many can I do per year? Probably one. And how many do something about it? Very few. And when they systemize, industrialize, and democratize this type of framework, 
across markets, you start seeing magic, not just within the leadership team, but within the teams which are executing on site. And you drive retention, talent acquisition, and a very, very happy employee working with young ventures as well. And it works. I want to say it works. So, John, I want to understand your view of uh, the future. You know, what is on the horizon, risk and opportunity. So what emerging risk and opportunity are you paying close attention to right now? And what do you think we should pay close attention to within the next three to five years? Well, that's a big question. I, I, I'm going to pose a, a, a counter answer to that question, which is um, what's going to stay the same um, over a, a long period of time? And And because I think if you are grounded in, well, what do we think will be the same? That actually gives you a roadmap of, of what you can do because betting on the future is a, is a, is a precarious game uh, as Las Vegas proves out, right? So I always think about what are the durable things about our customers and, our, and their needs, the jobs they wanna get done about uh, the environment that we work in, about the mission of our company or team. What are the things that are gonna that aren't going to change? And then if you can use those, and and so that's where a set of principles can be helpful. Um, if you can leverage those, then you can better navigate the path of what the future brings us and those things that um, are are difficult uh, to predict. So that's one answer. The second answer is. What are those moves of no regret that you can do now that regardless of what changes uh, tend to be a, a great investment? And so I think so many of us still see opportunities for removing friction in customer experiences, removing friction in the way that we work as teams. So that that's a big one. And then, you know, I think figuring out how to systematically experiment within a business and truly make them in them fast, cheap, hypothesis-led experiments is, is a great underlying capability within an organization. And run a bunch of experiments through those. I think there's obviously a ton of interesting things going on in generative AI and, and other types of disruptive technologies. But think about it more as a durable, a machine, a machine that we can run transformations and experiments through so that we're building that that dual-sided playbook of both being a great operating company and having a systematic approach to how we transform, how we innovate, and how we change. That's what Big Bet Leadership is about. Yeah, so, so wise. And as you were uh, talking, John, I was thinking about the difference between two words digitization that we tend to use all the time, which is, you know, moving from analog to digit and digitalization, which is the world we are in today, where we are moving to new operating model, new business model, new processes, which should be streamlined and customer focused. And so right. taking out that friction you just mentioned. So tell us, where can we find big bet leadership, where we can find information about you? Right, right. So a few different places. So johnrossman.com is a great place to start. 
Um, BigBetLeadership.com is about the book, and I'm doing drawings on free uh, copies of the book, of the of the Kindle version of the book. And LinkedIn is always a great place to, to, to find me. So John Rossman on LinkedIn. Thank you, John. So what would be your just last few words of wisdom for our listener to actually remember how to transform themselves, I guess? Yeah. So understand that leadership is a is a skill um, and it can be it, 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 it's a learned skill. And the type of leadership you need depends upon the mission of what you're trying to accomplish. And so when the mission is change, transformation, innovation, you actually need a different set of leadership skills to do that. That the leadership skills that help you be a great operator or you know other things in your business, those are different leadership skills than the leadership skills needed for innovation and for change. Thank you, John. Thank you for joining me on Scouting for Growth. Thank you for this. Thank you for inviting me. Great to meet you. Thank you. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine van der Linden. Thank you.